pastor teach me one time that um, in every service, there's a window of opportunity. And if you miss it, you've missed it for the whole service. But if you can get in it, well, then you'll catch it. You'll catch what he's come for. And I knew, I knew it wasn't about this time. It was about the moment that they began to sing that song and it began to flow up here. And so um, I didn't want to miss him. I didn't want to miss him. And so I know that sometimes when the pastor's gone, things are different, but um, God's not different. And I'm, I'm grateful that he's here today. And am I just extremely loud, or I just found that way up here? Is it good? Okay, because I'm blowing me away. Um, <clears throat> let's pray a minute. Lord, I thank you that you are a God of miracles. And like the song before, you're faithful. Great is your faithfulness. You've never failed us yet. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for the people that's here today. And, and Lord, as I began to speak a few minutes, I want to move me out of the side and allow Holy Spirit to speak. So you just go right ahead and take over, Holy Spirit, and filter every word that I say. And give them what you've given me this week as we talk with each other. And I'll be pleased and you'll be pleased. I ask those things, and I praise you in advance for them in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> when I was a little girl, very young of age, um, I was in a family of seven, and we were very poor. Our needs were met, but that was about it. And so um, <clears throat> we lived in houses that, um, and some of you will relate to this, but we, live in ha we lived in houses that needed a lot of help to say the least. Um, and I can remember one when I was very, very young. I was, there was three of us sisters. We slept in the bed together, and, and I woke up, and I felt something biting me. And when I woke up and realized it was a rat that had crawled in the bed with us and had, was biting on my hand. And now my parents, they had set traps all over that house trying to catch the mice and trying to make it safe for us. And they baited it with cheese and anything else that they could thought that might work. And they had some su success in it, but there, just, there was still so many opportunities for the mice to get in that we still had an infestation. But when, once they started getting into bed with us kids and biting on us, needless to say, we moved out quickly after that. And I still hate mice today. I, I hate them. I mean, there's just people that put them as pets. I just, I think they're just nuts. I just... I don't see any um, sense in that at all. But I want to share with you today that Satan, he does the same thing that my parents did. He sets traps all over our lives, and he tries to catch us and kill us. And today I want to speak about what I think is probably one of the biggest, yet the most hidden traps that we need to watch for. And it's a trap that's baited. It's baited good with what it takes to trip us up, to ruin our witness, and to destroy our faith to destroy our relationship with Jesus Christ. And that trap is offense. Have you ever had someone do something or say something that pierced your soul? I mean, when it come out their mouth, it just went into your heart and pierced. And it was so unexpected that your jaw dropped and you had to convince yourself that there's no way they said that. Would they really, really say that? And for the life of you, you just can't get over it. It came into your thoughts daily, and you spent hours trying to figure out why they even said it, and what went wrong, and what did you miss. And the trust that you had in this person, it eventually goes away, and 
then in your spirit you begin to say, I hope I never cross their path again, ever. And so the Greek word for offend is from the word scandalon, and it sounds a little bit like scandal, but it signifies laying a trap or a snare in someone's way, an entrapment used by the enemy. Now, in sports, offense means the player is responsible for attacking, and I'm not a sports fan, but I'm, I'm trying here. Bear with me. And the opposite is defense, which is the player defending from or resisting attack. So offense is a tool of the devil to bring people into a captivity, and usually we're not even aware that it's there. Um, and if we are aware of it, pride will keep us from even admitting it's there. So there's no healing, there's no escape from it, and we hang on to it, and we feel justified by hanging on to it because someone did us wrong. And it's often such a surprise attack that you don't even think about the defense and, and taking care of yourself until it's over with. Now, I know I'm not the only one because Jesus even wrote about it in Luke. And if you'll turn to Luke 15, we'll start in verse 25. When you get up here to talk, you're either like Brother Greg Hubbard and you produce lots of spit and you soak people, or you're like me and your mouth goes dry, so forgive me. Okay, Luke 15, verse 25. Now his older son, this is the prodigal son, Pastor Hensley, he preaches on this a lot. He loves this chapter, but I'm going to take the tail end of it when he usually takes the beginning of it. So we know the prodigal son story that he came and he asked his father for his inheritance ahead of time. His father gave him his part of the inheritance. He took it and squandered it on many things. And so he comes back and the father greets him with open arms and love and, and everything's good. But in the meantime, there's always an in the meantime. In verse 25, it says, Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants, and he asked what these things meant, and he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in, and therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, these many years I've been serving you, and I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who's devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you're always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Now the word never says again that that second brother was reconciled with the family. Never once does it say that. He was offended because his father had shown mercy to an undeserving brother and never rewarded or showed appreciation to his faithfulness at all. So you see where the offense came in? He got offended because the father treated the, the prodigal son with great things. After he'd already given him great things, and yet he stayed, he was strong, he was faithful, he worked, didn't feel like he'd ever received any reward. Now, it's real easy to get critical about the, the angry brother, and it's easy to say, well, how dare him? I mean, he should be glad that his brother was back. But let's just put it in our perspective for a minute. Okay, here you go. You've worked your tail off for years at a job. You never complained. You was always on time. You did overtime when asked. And when race time and promotions are given, 
They're given to the guy who can play golf well or can brown nose to the right people. I don't know if you've ever had that happen, but you can ask the people that work with me that come to church here. It's happened where we work. How does it make you feel when you've given everything that you know and you've been faithful to your employer and you've done everything they ask you to do and then some? And then when it comes time to be promoted, it goes to someone else. And that's kind of what the older brother was feeling at the time. So uh, things that offend us are really, usually they're unfair. In all honesty, if we thought about it, they're unfair. And so then we decide how we're going to respond to it. Now, at first, we may be just shocked that it happens, and then the hurt comes. And if it's not handled right, then the anger follows, and then a root of bitterness. And then it just goes step by step by step. Now, traps come in different sizes, and I'm going to give you a little picture here. Now, this was what we used because we were poor, and this was all we could afford. But we would put these little traps out, and we would bait them. Now, back in my kid days, we would debate them with cheese. But for some reason, the mice got wise to that. Then we never could catch them. So my husband started using peanut butter. They love peanut butter. Um, this trap might be one of those to where some, someone just says something insulting to you. It's kind of like, you really think those clothes look good on you? You know, just a little stick, you know. That trap is just, or, or how long did it take you to gain that much weight? Or um, do you really have to go with us this time? You know, just little things that people say that they kind of stick to you and you think, well, why would they even say that? But you just pass it off and you say, oh, well, they probably, that's just them. I'll deal with it. Not going to mess with it. And then all the tricks. <laughs> I hate mice. But you can't catch them with those traps. And they are, they're pretty wise to those things. I learned about glue traps. And people say, well, that's inhumane. Don't get in my house then. That's all I got to say. Because all humanity goes out the door when you get in my house. I don't care if they sit and squiggle on it for half a day. Don't come back. I, mean, I do make my husband carry a mouth off. They're still squiggling because I don't even look near them. These things are powerful. If you've ever put your finger on one of these, you're going to take some skin off when you take it off. If you ever get, oh, here, you guys want to see this? If you ever, I, I put one in the closet one time, and I set something in the closet forgetting it was there. I never did get them disconnected. I had to throw everything out, the whole thing. These things are good. So if you've got a mice problem, I'll let you have these because I don't have any right now. I've learned to pray over my house. This is the trap that um, they may come and to your best friend and tell a lie on you. Behind your back, by the way. They're never going to do it to your face. They're not brave enough to do that. This trap is one of them to where someone is constantly stirring up in the circle to make somebody mad at somebody else and trying to keep themselves out of it, but in the middle of it. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, there's people like that everywhere. This is the kind of trap that it's really, really hard for you to ever begin to say, I want anything about to do with them in my life. I mean, really, this, this just, I'm sick of it. I don't want any part of this. And you can get so offended by those kind of people that you, you absolutely just turn your face away from them. And there's times you even wish you're going to get yours. You ever had that? You're going to get yours. 
just kind of tracks. And then there's the big dog. And I always call on people when I need help. And I don't know anything about this sign. Fortunately, the mice haven't ever got this big in my house. But I, I texted Rhonda Shipman. I said, does Bobby have some kind of animal trap? And she texted me back and said, well, what kind of animal are you trying to catch? <laughs> so I said, I'm not. I just need something. And so this dude, man, it's heavy. And I suspect that if you put your finger in this, you might lose it. You might not just get stuck. But Bobby tells me this kind of trap is usually camouflaged. You put it out there somewhere. Sorry, I keep spinning. I'm breathing. Um, you put it out there, and you cover it up with leaves and limbs and twigs, and you hide it to where they can't see it. And then you put something like maybe fish or sardines or something on it to where they can smell it, but they don't know they're fixing to walk right smack dab into this big old heavy metal thing. It's the big dog trap. We don't use that for mice, I wouldn't think. Hope not. This is the trap that your husband walks in and says, I found another woman. This is the trap that says, the wife comes in and says, I don't love you anymore. This is the trap that sweeps you off your feet and blows your mind to the point that you don't think you can take your next breath. See, this, the enemy knows that sometimes for people, this is all it takes to get them offended. And once he gets them good and offended, he can mess with them. But sometimes it takes something life-threatening, something involving their life to get a hold of them. But they're all traps, and they're all baited with what Satan knows is going to mess with you. Your bait will be different than my bait. It will. It'll be different. But he takes it and he traps us, and then he starts building. And when, when this happens, we immediately, one way or the other, as this goes along, we start building walls around our heart. That's what we do. Because that keeps them out, right? You ain't getting near me again. You did it once, you're not going to do it again. I gave you a second chance, but I'm not giving you a third one. So you begin to build these walls around your heart. The bad thing about walls is the people that they keep out, the walls are going to also keep people out that should be in your life that should be feeding your spirit, that should be speaking into your life. And so walls not only keep the ones that are attacking you out, but it keeps the people out that need to come in. That's the danger with building walls. I know because I've done it. I've had people do things to me that I said, the next church I'm going to, I'm not putting myself out there and let anybody do it. So I put walls up to where I don't have to have trust anybody anymore, and you're going to have a hard time finding a reason to, to, to offend me. But if you stay with people very long, I'm going to tell you, most people, most people don't get up in the morning thinking, who can I offend? Most people get up in the morning and they forget to filter their mouth. Their heart's not right. Or they're thinking of themselves and nobody else. And then when they say something or do something that offends you, then you have to deal with it. You have to answer with it. I can remember when I first latched hold of the... the uh, the power of your words. And I, I really hung on to that. What you speak is going to come about. You better watch what you say. And I would be out in public and someone would say, man, I'm feeling bad. I think I'm going to get the flu. And I would say, well, just go right ahead and speak that junk over you. You'll get it too. 
And I would just say that to them, just like that. I mean, I would just write in their face. You bet, you, just watch what you're speaking. And I began to notice as I went along that people's countenance would change when I would say things like that. I was trying to tell them something good, but I was saying it in such a way it offended them. And what it did, it closed the door for me to minister to them about healing with your words. And I had to learn. I had to learn how to, to maintenance that and to begin to, to show people in love, well, you know, well, let's speak life over you and let's speak healing over you instead of saying, well, what you're, good, you're speaking what you're going to get. I was ugly about it. And I would offend people. And so they would put walls up. So, see, I, I've even had to learn that even when you're not intending to offend people, you're go- there's just people out there, you're, they're going to be offended if you look at them wrong. No question about that. We know that. But I'm talking about you today. I'm talking about what you've got in your life today because I guarantee you everybody sitting here today has been offended at one time or another. And it may be the little bitty trap and it may be the glue trap and it may be the big old metal one. But somewhere along the line you've been offended. Now let, my question for you today is what are you going to do with it? What have you done with it? Honest to goodness, since I've been studying this, I've done a lot of repenting. I've asked the Lord to search my heart and show me any offense I was carrying around that I didn't, haven't gotten rid of. And he showed me some. But one of the exercises that he gave me in this book that I've been studying was name five people that have offended you. I clicked off three real quick. I mean, three people. I mean, their faces just right, right there that have offended me. Couldn't hardly come up with the other two I had to think and never really did get the fifth one. I've, I've determined in my heart that I'm going to be undefendable. You know, I don't want people coming up and saying ugly things to me, but if they do, they got their own opinion about me. And I know everybody don't think I'm great and wonderful. Most people don't. And that's something I've just had to learn. No matter how hard I try to be nice to people, everybody's not going to like us. Christians are under, we're bombarded every day about things that would offend us if we would allow it to happen. Because we're just bullies. Our religion's just bullies. We just... We expect you to believe the way we believe or you're dying going to hell. They, they, they say the things about us, and that's no more true than anything. I'm going to share this because he shared it in Sunday school, and I thought, bam, that goes right along with me, Brother Jason. He taught our Sunday school class. He talked about someone calling him from this church that told him they're not coming back. They were upset. They're not coming back. He called them, and he said, why not? Well, when I go, people just look through me, and nobody talks to me, and I'm just invisible. That's basically right, pretty much what he said. He was offended. Now, what he does with that offense is going to either drive him away from God or it's going to pull him to him. Now, Pastor Hensley is wonderful about us telling us, reminding us, and that man just about kills himself trying to greet everybody in here. I mean, he really works hard at that. But I'm telling you, he's going to miss one every now and then. And we are too. We can try to greet everybody. But if you come into a church and you expect someone, visitors here today, if nobody talked with you and you feel like nobody even saw you, I, let me just apologize. Don't, don't take the trap. Tell devil, I ain't doing it. I'm not taking the trap. That church loves me even if nobody did come talk to me today. Don't take that trap. Because that's all it is. Satan's baiting you, trying to destroy you. So we do have to watch about that. Jesus said in Matthew 24, Verses 10 through 13, here's what he says. One of the signs of the end of time, listen to this. Many will be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. 
So that's the, there's your steps. They get offended. They betray each other, and it goes to hatred. So can you see why you cannot let offense stay in your life? Because when you do, it's going to turn into betrayal. A friend that offended you, all of a sudden, you're betraying them. Don't want anything to do with them. If anybody listens to you, you'll tell them just what they've done about, about it too. Here's some examples. A teacher treated you badly in school, and you're still telling people not to let their kids be in that class. My daughter and my son-in-law are both teachers. I know it happens. Let's face it, if you go to 12 years of school, you're probably going to have a teacher offend you somewhere along the line. And they may have done it intentionally because there's mean teachers out there just like there's good teachers. I've had some of them. But you know what? You don't turn into this if you don't get rid of it. You'll get stuck on that. And you, you'll find everything wrong with every teacher, every kid you ever have has. That happens too. Or let's say this, a friend walked away when you needed them. See, you just wrote them off. They weren't there when I needed them. Not going to be there when they need me. I've heard people say that. Here's another one. This one really touches home. You've been removed from a church position or someone else got the position you think you deserved. So you know what you do? You just pack up and go find you another church. Raise your hand if you've seen that happen. If you've been in church very long, you have. All of it offenses. They've been offended by something that was said or something that was done. And instead of dealing with it, they harbored it and they fed it and they kept, they stayed in the trap. They didn't get freed. They stayed in the trap. Now, we all know that Jesus, he walked in peace when he was on earth and he wants us to walk in peace. He says to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on that whole armor of God. Why? That we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's schemes and traps of the devil. And it goes on to say, our fight's not with flesh and blood. Uh, again, people don't sit and try to come up with, well, what will, hmm, how can I offend Brother Gary Fields? I'm going to check that out this week. Next week, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to offend him when I walk in. And I'm not going to talk to him either. I mean, we don't sit around and do that normally. There, there's mean-spirited people that do that. I don't deny that. But most people don't set up to offend you. So don't receive it that way. Don't receive it as an attack from people. Receive it as the enemy trying to mess with your mind and destroy your purpose in life because that's what it's about. When Jesus was attacked, he wouldn't say a word. They spit on him. They, they beat him. They put the crown of thorns on his head. And he wouldn't say a word. They said he was like a lamb going to the slaughter. He never spoke a word to them. And I mean, who wouldn't have said something? And the very people who attacked Jesus was either the religious people that should have recognized who he was or his inner circle people that was saying, hmm, I, I wasn't with him. I, I don't know who he is. See, it was people that he should have been able to depend upon was the ones that were doing the things against him. They, if anybody had a right to be offended, it was Jesus. And he wouldn't say a word. He was just waiting. He was waiting to forgive them. He drew Peter right back in. Moses was another one. I'm telling you, Moses, he, he was the most patient man in the wilderness, and those people would gripe and fuss and complain about everything, and, and God would say, get out of my way. I'll kill them, and I'll give you another nation of people. And Moses would say, oh, please don't, God. Please don't hurt them. Please, they don't, they don't mean to do it. Moses, was, he just couldn't be offended. You know, God said, he's a, he's, a, he's a humble man, and I talk to him face to face. See where it gets you when you refuse to be offended? 
absolutely, let me just tell you this, absolutely no man or woman or any devil can get you out of the will of God. Your destiny is firm. What God intended for you to be and do, it's not going to change. And if you stay free from offense, you'll stay in God's will and you'll fulfill your purpose. But you can't be trapped all the time. You can't sit around trapped and then, then because someone's done something wrong to you, then come up here and pray over someone then be healed or saved. You can't go both ways. That's why this is trash and you need to get rid of it. Refuse to step into it. And once you get in it, don't feed it. Do whatever you have to do. Call Bobby Shipman and say, come get me out of this thing. I don't know how I got in it, but get me out. Whatever it takes. And you will have to call people to help you sometimes. You will. Sometimes it's just too hurtful for you to do it on your own. And I'm not ashamed to call people and say, listen, I need some help to get through this. And we should be that way. In the church body, we should have been able to call upon a brother and sister and say, I need you to help me get out of this trap. Because I don't want to be in it. I want to do what God wants me to do. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, nothing can separate you from God's love. Nothing. Death, life, nothing. He, he makes a whole list, bucket list of things. And none of them can separate you from God's love. So it don't matter what people say or do that offend you, that hurt your feelings, don't stay in the trap. Don't do it. So how do we get out of it? First step, you've got to recognize that you were hurt. Admit that the, the offense has trapped you. Whatever size it is, admit it. Now, I've given you a, a visual now so you can put your offenses in size. All right? Admit it. Recognize it. And then the step two is make a decision to forgive. Jesus, he was real good about that. Here's what he says in Matthew 5:44. One of my favorite verses. Not. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those that curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That was Jesus' way of looking at people that offended him. Now, that just seems impossible, and it is without Holy Spirit, without God, but we can do it. If he told us to do it, he gave us a way to do it, okay? Remember that the people that have hurt you, remember they probably never even set up to do it. And even people that have, it's because they don't have Jesus' relationship. That's what I say. And number three, when those thoughts come back to you, cast them down and say, I'm not going there. I'm not taking that bait. I'm not doing it. I'm not stepping into that trap again. I'm putting on the mind of Christ. I'm going to think like him. And you'll have to do that maybe once, and it's gone. You may have to do it again. You may have to do it 10 years down the road. The enemy will try to bring that offense back and put you right back in that trap. And you can say, I'm already taking care of that devil. Recognize the trap. You're not going to bait me again. Because we're wiser than him. We've been given the mind of Christ. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, above all things have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. You love those people that offend you, and your love covers their sins. And I know that's not what we want to do when we're offended. We want to say, you just, just go right ahead and die and go to hell. I'm done. You, you've done me wrong. I'm not praying for you. But no, Jesus says, our love will cover their sins. So when they offend you, just love them up that much more. Okay? Not done. So when we're offended, here's some things that I learned studying. Don't expose the offender, even if they deserve it. Don't go blabbing your mouth saying, do you know what Sherry Williams said about Glenda? Do you know what she said about her? I know it's not true, but do you know what she said? It offended me on behalf of Glenda. Sherry Williams don't ever say anything wrong about anybody, but that's why I used her. Don't expose the offender to anyone else. 
Go to Jesus with it. Keep your motives pure. Don't rejoice when they get what they deserve. We worked with a man one time. He was mean-spirited. He ran off more secretaries than we could hire because nobody could work with him. Um, I was smart enough to work for the other guy, and when he tried to get me to work with him, I said, no, thanks. But I'm telling you, he, he broke some spirits of some women. And I can remember the old saying was, what goes around comes around. I, I can remember people saying that about him over and over. What goes around comes around. And I can remember, I don't think there's anybody here that will know, know what I'm talking about. If you do, Leah, don't you say a word. But I can remember sitting at my desk one day looking in his office and he was weeping. And his daughter had went and got an abortion. And his heart was broken. Even after that, she got married and she's divorced now. And he's went through many, many hard things. Heart attack, bad heart attack. Went through a lot of, lot of bad things. And literally, what he gave, he got back in multitudes. And I would never wish that on him because I'm going to tell you right now, he was a deacon in a church. He attended church faithfully. Um, very uh, elite in the, in the community. Um, people loved him in many ways. But, but he could offend so easily, and he, he dug it in. He, he got as deep as he could get. We can't be that way. We can't rejoice when people get what they deserve. We can't do it. Spot the trap. Refuse the bait. Throw the, throw the limbs and the leaves and stuff off of that camouflage of that trap. Get rid of it. Don't, don't get in it. And the last part is love God. Live his word and leave the offense in his hands. God will defend you. I love the songs today because it was Jesus Messiah, and it was God, great is your faithfulness, and it was you can move mountains once. Do it again. Do it again, Lord. And then the miracles. Come on, bring on the miracles. I love the songs because they're our source. Now, I know that you're sitting here today and you're like, I don't know what she's talking about, but I'm telling you, I've surveyed this week and I've asked people, what percentage of people in the church do you think is walking with some offense? I had one lady say 75%. I had another one tell me 90 to 99%. And, I mean, it just went on and on. And I can tell you that um, it's great in the church. Offense is great. It, there's traps that everywhere because the enemy does not want us walking in the rivers of healing and miracles. He doesn't want that. So what he does is he keeps us in offense to where we refuse to receive. And we've got that wall so strong that God can't even penetrate it. Because you pushed him back so much because of offense. I know this to be true because last Sunday I was in a service. I spoke at a church. And a lady come up to me during praise and worship. And I mean the presence of the Lord was flowing. It was wonderful. And she come up and she sat down beside me. And I was up there and I was singing. Just I was all into it. Didn't even know she would sit down. She got my hand and pulled me down beside her. Now this lady was quite a bit older than me. And she began to tell me about an offense that she'd been carrying for five years over something that supposedly was said that who knows if it was right or not. Five years, she told me, she'd been carrying that offense. And she said, I just got to get it out today. And I thought, dear God, how many of us are doing that? And he began to show me. So I'm going to ask you today, Nick, you want to come up and play some music or something? Just in case. I'm going to ask you today, Pastor Hensley says, 
God's not looking for perfection. What's he looking for? Honesty. I want you to be honest today. And I know some of you have already been up here today. And I'm not going to ask, I'm not going to delay this. I'm not going to make it long because I'm going to get you out of here in five minutes or less. But if you're carrying an offense in your spirit, if there's something, if, if when I started talking and somebody's face come into your image, if your heart began to get hurt again, if you began to, it may be an in-law, it may be a family member, it may be an ex-spouse. I'm not kidding. I don't care who it is. It's not worth carrying that offense because it's a block. If you're, if you're in a part of your life and things are just not going the way you thought they would, if things just seem to have a, a, a wall there and you can't push through it, there may, very, offense may very well be what's keeping you from going through to your destiny. Is it worth it to you? Is it worth it? And, and today I'm just saying, while we've got this river flowing up here, let's just throw that stuff in it. Let's just get rid of it. And I'm going to do this short. I'm going to do it fast. But let's just, let's just be honest today. Let's clean the house today and say, if I, my offense is going. I'm not, not staying in the trap anymore. And I may have stirred some stuff up in your spirit today that you just really don't want to deal with. But no better place than here. Because I can promise you, for everybody that stays in their seat and says they don't have a defense, they do. They just hadn't got to the, the step that they admit it. If truth be told, everybody in here of any age will come up today and say, I'm getting rid of my offenses, and I'm not trying to clean the house and do something supernatural. I'm telling you, it's huge. Because God has dealt with me all week long about it. I've had nightmares about it. He's changed it. I mean, Satan's done everything he could to get me not to teach it. Everything. That tells me God wanted it taught. And then they've created an atmosphere for healing today. Healing's not just the physical. Sometimes healing, physical healing doesn't come till you get rid of the offense. I'm telling you, it's a block. Because what it does, it puts you in unforgiveness. And unforgiveness is one of the biggest blocks in the church. And until we get it right, how in the world are we going to go out and talk to the world and tell them, we got to do this? So, I don't know how you want to do whatever. But I'm going to ask you right now to bow your head and close your eyes. And the first thing I want to do is I want to talk to you if you're here today and you've